So Jesus gives us a command on how to deal with difficult people. It's found in verse 36. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. This whole idea of mercy is very interesting in the Bible. Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Psalm 23 verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So do we reflect God's mercy even when we're interacting with someone who is difficult? Today, David continues our study of the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Luke in a series called Difficult People. But we are in the second part of a three-part series on how to deal with difficult people in our lives. How many of you have difficult people in your life? How many of you are that difficult person for somebody else? Ah, oh, there you go. You're honest. Good for you. Well, Jesus today gives us a very insightful place to go in trying to deal with difficult people in our lives and maybe even how not to be that difficult person in somebody else's life. It's wrapped around these two words, be merciful. Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be what, folks? It'll be, it'll be great. Your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful." So Jesus gives us a command on how to deal with difficult people. It's found in verse 36. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. This whole idea of mercy is very interesting in the Bible. What is a definition of mercy? It means receiving what we don't deserve. Receiving what we don't deserve. Um, not receiving what we do deserve as well. But let me unpack that for you. Uh, mercy for a Christian means that we deserve hell. Because of our rebellion against God, we deserve eternal separation from him. So that begs the question, then, well, what's the difference between the words mercy and grace? Uh, let me give you an illustration. Um, if your child, as a parent, disobeys you and you know your child needs discipline, you may walk into the room and your child is crying and begs you not to discipline them. Your heart is so moved, you choose not to give them what they deserve. And folks, that's mercy. You don't give your child what they deserve. Uh, it's much like in a courtroom where someone has been pronounced guilty and then that person before the judge says, I throw myself on the what? On the mercy of the court. I know I deserve this, I've been found guilty, but show me mercy, don't give me what I deserve. Now if you then go into your bedroom and you rake off 
a bunch of quarters into your hand and put them into your pocket and then take the child who had been directly disobedient to you out for ice cream, that's grace. That's receiving what you don't deserve. Mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. Grace is receiving what you don't deserve. For the Christian, because of Jesus' mercy and grace on the cross, we don't get what we should get, and that's hell. But beyond that, we get heaven. We get ice cream. We get every spiritual blessing that God can give us. We get to be an heir of everything that he owns in heaven. That's grace. Mercy, though, is receiving what we don't deserve or not receiving what we do deserve. So as we move to this whole understanding of mercy being essential in our understanding of how to deal with difficult people, we understand that our society and relationships don't deal much with mercy toward others, do we? We basically have a law of reciprocity. You get back what you deserve. So as you look at how people deal with one another in our culture, you have, for example, a quid pro quo. I do for you, and then what? You do for me. Um, We have, I scratch your back, and what? You scratch my back. Uh, You have, as you invest money, an ROI, and an ROI is a return on investment. What I invest, I expect to return. The bottom line question for so many of our relationships is, what's in it for me? That's how the culture works. And Jesus gives three illustrations of how cultures of all times in his day and ours show this understanding. He said, first of all, we love those who love us. We do good to those who do good to us. We lend to people who will repay what we lend them. That's the way society works. And he says, even the grossest sinner does that. I mean, the head of the worst mafia in the world does good to other people, lends to other people. But the deal is they're expecting something in return. That's the way even the most reprobate sinner, godless person in the world thinks. But Jesus says, but you, my followers, people who say, I'm your Lord, I'm asking you to do something different. He says, first of all, I'm calling you to love your enemies. People who want your harm, those difficult people in your life, I'm calling you to love them. Secondly, lend or give expecting nothing in return. No quid pro quo, no ROI. You give just because I've given so freely to you. And thirdly, you be merciful. Yes, even to those people who don't deserve it. Yes, even to those people who deserve your anger, wrath, and punishment. Be merciful. Well, then the question comes, well, why be merciful? Why go against the grain of the culture, which says, give and we get back, do to others so that we can get back, 
operate in, in reciprocity. Why did Jesus say, be merciful? Because he said, your Father in heaven has been merciful to you. He's been merciful to you. And, and then interestingly, as he talks about that, he says, and, and when you are merciful to other people, those difficult people in your life, and you don't give them what they deserve, you're like sons and daughters of the Most High. It's interesting, Jesus uses that term to describe God, the Most High. First of all, think about high. In a battle, whoever's got the high ground wins. And then most, that means pinnacle. So that means God's got the highest ground above anything else in the universe. He is the stronger than any one of us. And as our father, then as we emulate him and show mercy, we're his sons and daughters. Now, family resemblance is among us all. You know, I have an older son, David. He's taller than I am. And people who watch him speak and his mannerisms say, wow, he has a remarkable family resemblance to you. My younger son, Michael, is a little shorter than I am, only 6'6". And he's got brown hair. And when people look at him, they say, man, he looks so much like his mom. And many of you are saying, praise God that he looks like his mom, not me. Okay, I get that, all right? And he has a family resemblance more toward Marilyn. Now, Bethany, our daughter, is a mixture of the two. It's like God put all our genes together and shook them up. And out came Bethany. She looks a little bit like both of us. But the point is that when you have children, there is a remarkable family resemblance. And we're proud of that. But what would we feel if even though they looked like us, they didn't believe our values? What would Marilyn and I feel though they had a family resemblance, they did not live according to how we would desire them to live? We would say at that point, you may look like us, but you're really not of our family. That's why when you adopt a child into your family, you look out upon all the children in the world and you say, I wanna choose you to come live in my home. Though there may not be any family resemblance, if that adopted child chooses your values and chooses to live as you desire, you would say that adopted child who doesn't look a thing like you, who shares your values, is much more your child than your biological child who looks like you, who doesn't live like you. You with me? So, so Jesus said, those of you who show mercy to other people, you are the true sons and daughters of the Most High, of God himself, who's been merciful to you because in your lifestyle, you live as he has shown his life to you. Are you with me? Come on, talk to me. Are you tracking with me? So when you show mercy to other people, you're more like the Father than at any other time because he's been merciful to you. Through the cross, he took the penalty of your sin upon himself. He paid the price for your need for justice, and therefore, you don't go to hell. Mercy's given to you. Indeed, you go to heaven and get all the spiritual benefits. Grace is given to you. 
When you show that kind of mercy to others, those difficult people in your life, when you don't give them what they deserve, even though they are irascible nails on the chalkboard of your life, you choose to show them mercy. And when you do that, you're never more like God. And then Jesus goes on to say that God even shows mercy to two kinds of people. First of all, the ungrateful Let's, let's pause for a second there. God shows mercy to the ungrateful. That means people who live these lives on this side of eternity and receive so many blessings from God. The air that they breathe, the food they ingest, even the gift of sex is something God gave. The relationships we have, the spouses we enjoy, the friendships we have, all are gifts from God. And yet, there are so many people in this world who've never paused one moment to give thanks to God for all they have from him. They live in complete, utter rebellion against him. That's why, interestingly, this table for many people throughout the world in the original language is called the Eucharist. Do you know what the word Eucharist means? Thanksgiving. We're so thankful for what God has done for us in Jesus, in the forgiveness of our sins, but also every good gift he has given us. Now, now can you imagine a boy born into a single-parent home, and the mom loves this kid so much, she works two jobs to put food on the table, to give him clothes on his back. She toils tirelessly to send him through school, she works so hard to make sure he graduates from college and then helps him even become one of Wall Street's great lawyers. Now, can you imagine that this boy is now at the pinnacle of success, his mom sacrificing all she sacrificed for him, yet not once, not one time does he ever pick up the phone and call his mom to say simply, Mom, thank you for all you've done. Jesus said, God even shows mercy upon those who never call and say thank you. That they enjoy the benefits of his created order and yet they, they, they never say thank you. And secondly, Jesus said, God shows mercy not only to the ungrateful but to the evil. I mean, think about this. The most wicked reprobate, godless rebel in the universe. The person who doesn't want anything to do with the most high. The person who disobeys all of God's laws, all that God wants people to live by. This person who often even hurts countless numbers of people, uh, think in terms of the worst dictator the world has ever known. Think of Stalin or, or Pol Pot or Hitler. Think of the most evil person who's ever lived, yet they too receive the mercy of God. <laughs> they too enjoy the benefits of the Most High. The difference is, even though they receive it, they never give it. But yet God still gives mercy to them. So for those of us, especially who call ourselves followers of Jesus, and especially in dealing with difficult people, we've received his mercy on the cross, 
and we give that mercy away to other people, it's so important. So let me ask this question. If mercy is so important in understanding the Christian life, if when we do so, we're never more like the Father in heaven, we never bear a better family resemblance than when we're being merciful to other people, how can we increase mercy in our lives? Anybody wanna know? There's one person on the front row who wants to know. Any of the rest of you want to know how to increase mercy in your life? If that's what is the identifiable family feature that makes you most like God, giving mercy, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, Jesus said. You want to know what that is? Here are three ways you can increase mercy in your life. First of all, receive God's mercy. Receive God's mercy. Last week we talked about how we're all supposed to be doing logging expeditions. (laughs) In other words, before you take the speck out of somebody else's eye, do a logging expedition and look at the sin in your own life. And when you really compare, your sin's a whole lot greater than the people you're trying to take the speck out. I want to ask you to do a logging expedition this morning. I want to ask you to get in touch with just how great your rebellion against God has been. I can't speak for you. All I can tell you is I am the grossest sinner imaginable. I have done things and thought things that are reprehensible in the sight of the Most High. And when I looked at that cross, I realized I need the mercy of God. You show mercy to others in direct proportion to how much mercy you've received from the Father himself. It's that simple. If you think you've only gotten a little bit of mercy from God, you'll give only a little bit of mercy away. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in a discussion about remembering the miracles God has performed in each of our lives. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and with me today is Bart Noonan with West Boulevard Ministry. Bart, tell us about West Boulevard Ministry. Uh, Thank you, Bart, for this opportunity to speak about West Boulevard Ministry, and, and more importantly, about Jesus Christ. West Boulevard Ministry serves the spiritual and physical needs of the families and the communities within the West Boulevard Quarter to the glory of Jesus Christ. Whether we're doing neighborhood outreach cookouts, gatherings where we're bringing people outside of their apartments, their homes, into fellowship with one another, or we're doing Bible study bingo the first Wednesday of every month at Little Rock Apartments. And uh, we gather anywhere from 50 to 70 children that we share the gospel with and play bingo after our Bible study portion of the night. And a couple weeks ago, there's a young man who we've been walking with now close to three years who came in, he, he forgot something, like a lot of young, young kids do, he forgot something in the um, space, and he came back in and he ended up praying out myself and all the other volunteers for the West Boulevard ministry team that were gathered there for that night and led us all in prayer and closed it out. And this young man, we've been taking to church every every Sunday for about the past year and a half. And, and that's what it's all about. It's about providing an opportunity for Jesus Christ to work inside someone's heart and, and then encourage them along the way. That sounds great. Now, Bart, if any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? The best way to do is uh, either email myself at bart at westboulevardministry.org or they can call me straight up in my cell phone and I always answer. I'm sort of like a doctor. The phone's always on and that's 980-298-9027. I would encourage folks too to also go to our website, which is westboulevardministry.org and there you can see some of our photo galleries, you can see some of the blogs and a lot of things we do throughout the West Boulevard Corridor to the glory of Jesus Christ. It is great having you with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. 
I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being with us today. It's wonderful, Jen, to be with you and to have this time with you. Thank you. Well, thank you. In this morning's e-devotion, you wrote a Davidism called, If You Did It Once, You Can Do It Again. Can you tell us about this? I can. It's addressing the whole idea of the number of miracles that the Bible talks about, but today I'd just like to focus in on two. It seems like in the Old Testament, the major miracle is the parting of the Red Sea. To free the Israelites from the Egyptian captivity, it was a marvelous miracle. And over and over again in the Old Testament, especially in the Psalms, the Israelites are adjured by God in his word to remember that particular event. The New Testament miracle that is foremost, I think, is obviously the resurrection. Uh, Without the resurrection, we Christians are people most to be pitied. The resurrection is God's ability to take something that seems very dead and make it alive again and give hope to the world. If, again, we Christians don't have the resurrection, we don't have a faith. It allows us to continue to believe no matter what. So if you look at just those two miracles alone, along with the others that are mentioned in the Bible, Here's the deal. God wants his people to remember that he can do miraculous signs and wonders. Uh, Jesus said miracles will follow those who believe, and faith does usher in miracles, and God wants us to believe that. Mm -hmm. The Bible is filled with signs and wonders that point to the sovereign power of Almighty God. And here's the deal, that if all of us listening today can go back in our memory banks and remember one miracle that God has done for us, Mm -hmm. a time in our lives lives when we were desperate, hopeless, and God came through for us like a Red Sea, like a resurrection. And here's the deal. If God did it once, he can do it again. Yeah. So keep believing that mm-hmm. that miracle that had happened in the Bible mm-hmm. and that miracle that happened to you in the past, mm-hmm. that can happen again. Keep believing. Keep giving to God your every day and trusting him to work mightily, powerfully. And as you do, hope will increase in your heart, and you can believe that the faithfulness of God that parted the Red Sea and raised Jesus from the dead, that did that miracle for you in the past, Mm -hmm. can do something similar again. I love this because when you talk about the miracles that happen in your own life, it it spreads contagious faith and it gives faith like deposits in each other's hearts. And I really think that's why people in the Old Testament and into the New recalled the miracles that God did just to continue growing and working out our faith. I love that idea, Jenna, contagious faith. Yeah. That as we share the miracles that happened to us in our lives, it increases the faith mm-hmm. in other people's hearts and allows then miracles to grow in the community of faith, mm-hmm. which only then allows the next generation to hear those stories and continue to believe as well. So that's a powerful insight, and it's exactly what I'm trying to say. Miracles are a part of God's nature. If God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1-1 may be the greatest miracle of all, that out of nothing, God created everything. And if God can create everything out of nothing, there's nothing that he can't do. (laughs) Nothing is impossible for God. Yeah, this is so good. And one thing that I tell myself all the time is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. He knows it's there. Just reveal it and surrender it to him and invite him in to do his miraculous work. Yeah. And, And as you pray, help my unbelief, always say, 
but I know you are able. Yeah. And I think that that is the way God wants us to pray. Yeah, so good. Thank you so much today, David. Thank you, Jen. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today. If you'd like a written copy of these daily Moments of Hope, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there free of charge. They'll arrive in your inbox in a written form every morning around 7 a.m. From my heart to yours to help you begin your day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for the leaders of our country. 